Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to Lost in Science for another week. We are here for you with all the science you can handle, a half an hour on your radio, so strap in. My name is Claire and this week on the show I'm of course joined by uh, Chris and Stu. Hello. (laughs) And Chris, um, I know you've got uh, quite a tale for us this week, quite a science tale. Um, It's a creature feature as well, you know, they're my favourite. It is. Um, the story, like I had to cover it. I saw it. I saw um, a write-up on this story and um, it caught my attention because it is about giant carnivorous centipedes on <gasps> Phillip Island that eat seabirds. Wait, um, what? That seems okay. to go against the laws of nature. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing that, that is kind of interesting is why are we so grossed out by the idea of invertebrates eating vertebrates? I don't have an answer for that, but it just seems wrong. It, it, it's, just, it's just one step closer to eating us. I think it it's just that primordial fear. Look, the good news, the only good news I can give you here is that um, I was alarmed by this story until I found out that the Phillip Island in question is not the Phillip Island in Victoria. It's it's a Phillip Island in the Norfolk Island chain. So um, fortunately, these centipedes are a bit of a distance away. They're a little bit further than... I tell you how I relieved I was to find that out. uh, I cannot wait to hear more about these centipedes. Oh, amazing. And Stu, what do you have for us this week? Well, speaking of creatures, I have a story about everyone's favourite spider, the daddy long legs. Oh, are you, are you going to be busting the myth? Oh, look, I'm going to zip over that myth so quick you okay. won't even notice. Okay, um, but I'm actually, I'm actually talking about daddy long legs, not the ones that we in Australia call daddy long legs, but a completely different species of uh, critters called daddy long legs. And I'll explain, they're not exactly spiders, they're kind of related, but they're not really spiders. But people did some work on why do they have long legs and what are the genes that control them getting long legs. So I've got a little bit of a story about that, but there's there's a whole lot of stuff about daddy long legs in there. So, you know, I reckon they're all right. As as spiders go, they're one of my least worrisome spiders, not like giant aquatic centipedes that eat (laughs) seabirds. Uh, well, I mean, I'm just glad that we've got both sides of the, of the invertebrate fence here. We've got the lovable and the terrifying here on Lost in Science for our double invertebrate creature feature. So on with the show.
Yes, you're listening to Lost in Science, and I'm talking about, well, particularly invertebrates eating vertebrates, I suppose, which, as I said, is something that, for some reason, just seems really gross, but it's not something that we're entirely unfamiliar with. Like, Stu's going to talk to, talk to, about, talk to us about some spiders later on, but... Um, I don't know hmm. if you remember. There's a bird-eating ago. spider, isn't there? Well, there is. There is. Uh, well, there is a spider called the bird-eating spider. The Goliath bird-eating spider of South America is one of the world's biggest spiders. It doesn't eat that many birds, but it sometimes eats birds. Um, so I guess that counts. Okay. Well, look, sometimes sometimes is more times than most people would like to consider. I think. <laughs> <laughs> There is an Australian bird-eating spider, or it's called a bird-eating spider. It is um, Selenocosmia crassipes. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Also known as the Queensland whistling tarantula, because it kind of produces a hissing noise. Oh, um, a hissing noise. I mean, I thought that was quite charming. Doesn't nonchalantly (laughs) hide in its web (laughs) and... Looking inconspicuous until a bird happens along. (laughs) Nothing going on here. Look, apparently it, it look it, it's a nocturnal spider, lives on the ground, probably doesn't actually encounter that many birds. I think it's just called that because it is a large spider. But it does eat other vertebrates. It does eat like geckos, skinks and frogs, among other insects and things. Right. So that kind of counts, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Of course it does. Uh, but yeah, look, there are a few other kind of, um, you know, insects and other species that have been known to, to feed on larger kind of vertebrate species. Um, but some of the most notable are centipedes, in fact. There is a kind of, a genus of, of centipede, the Scolopendra, and I think the, um, the biggest one is Scolopendra gigantea, or something like that, lives in South America, and it's known for, uh, for preying on bats. There's a, there was a David Attenborough um, TV show episode where they, they got footage of these centipedes um, preying on bats. And what they do is they kind of climb up the cave wall oh, and boy. hang from the ceiling. And as no. a bat flies past, they grab it. And they, have, they have like powerful venom in their, in their fangs. Well, they're not real fangs, actually force appeals. They're like front legs that have been turned into kind of fangs. But um, yeah, and they pick them out of the air as they fly past. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, that's a bit, a bit of a worry. But uh, yeah, look, the, um, the, the ones I'm going to talk about are the subject of a recent study that uh, it was in the journal The American Naturalist. Um, but they are on kind of Australian territory, the, the Phillip Island, which, as I said, is part of the Norfolk Island chain. And these, um, what these centipedes, they are, what are they called? It's the Phillip Island centipede. The species name is Cormocephalus coinii. And yeah, they're a kind of, they're a fairly large centipede and they've been to prey on seabirds. Hang on, I have a question. So you yeah. say they're big centipedes, but how how big are we talking here? Are they like what, like five, ten, fifteen centimeters? Well, you know, they're a um, they're a centipede, so obviously they're going to be hundred feet long. A <laughs> hundred feet. It's the way you deliver that works. No, they're actually they're actually uh, that's that's not entirely true. They are large. They can these ones are about a foot long. But they have, and they only have, um, I counted some pictures of them, they have about 36 legs rather than 100 legs. So, you know. 36 36 pairs of legs. 
Well, 18 pairs. 18 pairs. Right, okay. Yeah, 18 pairs of legs. Yeah, okay. It's, it's big. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, these... These are, they're also kind of nocturnal predators. They kind of, you know, just kind of roam around on the, on the forest floor. Um, they also have their venomous forcipules. And um, they basically kind of roam around through seabird burrows and they seem to pick off the chicks in the, in the burrows. I've seen some footage of it. It's, it is a disturbing thing to see a, um, a centipede attacking a fluffy little chick. But these are these chicks are they're a burrowing bird. They are the black-winged petrel, which is Pterodroma mm. nigripennis. And yeah, so the researchers on on Phillip Island basically discovered that they were being preyed on by these particular centipedes, and so they kind of set out to investigate how often that was happening. They followed centipedes around. Um, they uh, monitored. They put cameras next to the, the seabird burrows to watch them. And, yeah, and they started to see... They actually caught them on film, and they found... Uh, when they found um, killed chicks, they found they were consistent injury patterns um, from the centipedes attacking them. Wow. So that, yeah. it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a big part of centipede diet. Baby it bird. is a big part of centipede. Or is it at the... certain times of year, I guess, when the when the birds are... Well, when they're nesting, yeah. Nesting, yeah. yeah. And they eat other things. Well, they eat whatever they can. You know, they, they also will eat things like um, geckos and skinks. They even apparently sometimes even eat fish that have been dropped by other seabirds. Um, so <laughs> okay. they don't actually go fishing. They just catch them. <laughs> but look, it sounds really disturbing, but it is part of the... It is part of the beautiful sort of cycle of nature, I suppose. So they calculated how many chicks these, um, these centipedes would be eating. And they reckon it's between about um, 2,100 and 3,700 chicks each year, which sounds like a lot. But there are um, up to 19,000 breeding mm. pairs of these, um, these black-winged petrels on the island. So they can quite easily handle this. Essentially what it looks like is that the the centipedes are essentially they're part of the they're obviously part of the natural ecosystem and they're forming the role of what might be, you know, mammals or even snakes, I suppose, would be happening in such in a similar kind of environment. But those those species aren't there. And in fact, although they they were there, this is the interesting thing. So this um centipede was only really described as a species in 1984 and they only found at the time a very a few very small individuals of these centipedes and because there are a lot of pests on the island there were like pigs and goats and rabbits and various other invasive pests so those were all removed and allowed the centipedes to come back and allowed um the seabirds to return as well um particularly these um black-winged petrels um came to the island Look, they've, they looked for bones, kind of dug, dug for bones um, in the soil to see if there is a history of this. And they found different kind of bird bones from different species that indicates that perhaps the centipedes were feeding on different species back in the past. But the, um, the petrels, these ones seem to be a fairly newcomer to the island, but they've established themselves and they've enabled the centipede to come back to um, a large population and to a larger size than mm. they were initially. So, look, it sounds disturbing, and it sounds like somewhere you don't necessarily want to hang out, but, I mean, it's good for nature, I guess. Just just don't go to, um, to Phillip Island, this particular Phillip Island, and expect to be safe from the, the killer centipedes.
Lots of people are spending a lot more time at home lately in many parts of the country and possibly finding out more about who they share their houses with than they would necessarily like. Uh, yeah. Are you are you talking about my cat? Because I've learned a lot about her over the past 18 months and I don't like all of it. How much she actually gets away with sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, look, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about the pets uh, or family members or housemates or partners. I'm actually talking about the other creatures who might inhabit our constructed environments. Uh, and one of the most common animals found in most homes are spiders of many different types, and many of which wander inside by mistake, like huntsmen who don't really want to be there. Uh, and if you get them outside, they usually thank you by not coming back in again. But some of them make their permanent home in our home. And the spiders we in Australia call daddy long-leg spiders are one such creature who will find a cosy environment in our houses and stick around, uh, mostly staying out of our way. We don't really see them unless you're sort of moving stuff around in dusty corners or whatever, which a lot of people are doing because they are home. Um, Now, the daddy long-legs we get are carnivores, And they prey on insects as well as other spiders. Um, But despite the urban legends, they do not have the most potent venom of any spider. (laughs) In fact, their venom is pretty mild by all accounts. Although if they do manage to to actually pierce your skin, it will will hurt. Don't don't worry about that. But it won't kill you and it certainly uh, isn't as bad as some other spiders out there. Um, Now that spider that we find is called uh, Focus phalangioides. And the phalangioides is a name which it gets because it looks like something else, which is not the spider that we get here. And I'll come to that in a minute. They're not actually native to Australia. These spiders that we get, the Daddy Long Legs, were actually, actually introduced from Europe, accidentally probably came over in shipping containers with, you know, furniture and stuff from from houses in other parts of the world. Um, But they got the name Daddy Longlegs. Uh, In the UK, they call Daddy Longlegs is a kind of crane fly, which has nothing to do with spiders. Got similarly elongated limbs. But in other parts of the world, a different group of arachnids has this name, Daddy Longlegs. They're also called Harvest Men Spiders. And this is a huge group with 6,650 named species, possibly up to 10,000 species altogether in the world of these harvest men. Um, They mostly have the same long gangly legs, so the common name is pretty accurate. Um, Although daddy long legs, probably misgendering some of them at least. Uh, They are not actually spiders. So calling them daddy long-legged spiders overseas is not something we should be doing. Right, Um, but the ones here are definitely spiders. The ones here are spiders. They're not Australian spiders, but they are spiders. So the opiliones, as the order is known, have a distinctly different body type from spiders. They have only a single fused body segment, unlike spiders, which have a separate abdomen and cephalothorax. Also, uh, the opiliones only have two eyes. Uh, And so uh, spiders have three or four pairs of eyes. Yeah. 
but these guys have only got two. Um, I'm sure the other spiders gang up and go, ha <laughs> two eyes. Um, <laughs> so are they, but, are they insects or are they spiders? What, no, what? They, they have eight legs, so they're, they're okay, arachnids. Okay, they have eight legs. Ah. Um, but the daddy long legs, as they're called in lots of parts of the world, they're most likely more closely related to mites and scorpions than right. they are to the spiders. Oh, okay. So these guys eat all sorts of things. Some of them prey on insects and other arthropods. Others eat plants and eat fungi or eat decaying organic matter on forest floors and things. So they're found in almost every environment on Earth. And unlike most arthropods, uh, and certainly unlike spiders, they can eat solid food. So spiders have to sort of liquefy their food and then slurp it up. These mm-hmm. guys can just these guys can just grab whatever and chuck it in their gob. And, uh, just, <laughs> they've they've got teeth. Well, they don't have teeth. They just sort of have you know weird arthropod digestive <laughs> tracts <laughs> which break it down. But they can eat they can eat solids, which is unusual mm. for a, for an arachnid. Um, and the distinguishing feature of their elongated elongated limbs is a bit of a curiosity though. Most spiders and other insects don't have ridiculously long legs. These 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 creatures have got tiny little bodies and massively long legs. So it's been sort of a mystery for biology. Um, some of them do have short legs, but the majority have these same typical long, spindly, jointed legs. And that and they have more than you know, they have multiple joints in their legs, so they can sort of wrap them around things as well. So they're quite an, a unique little creature. Um, But biologists have wondered about the evolution of their long legs, uh, especially as many species have specialised legs. So some of them have um, pincer-like legs at the front, which are used for feeding, so they can grab Mm -hmm. bits of food and and eat them. Sort of a little bit like crabs or scorpions. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And others use their front legs as a kind of antennae for detecting prey or predators because they've got terrible eyesight. Um, right. They've only, or, I they've mean, only, that's sort of like lobsters as well, right? Yeah, yeah, and they've only got two eyes, so they can't mm. they can't actually they can't actually form images. All they can do is kind of tell dark from light and stuff like that. Yeah. So they use their uh, legs as antennae instead. Um, so the, all these all these adaptations are very interesting, and um, others also have these things called pedipalps, which are also used for feeding, sort of like little shovels to push food into into their <laughs> face. Um, but researchers from the University of Wisconsin in the US began looking into the genetics of the Apilionis to find if they could understand the evolutionary development of the long legs and the genetic background to how they ended up with these. So these particular arachnids are very poorly studied, but despite being widespread, they're found on every continent except Antarctica, um, so they were flying blind for most of their work. There was little comparative information about their genetics available. Uh, and, and the main reason is they don't cause problems for humans. And this is why right. they're largely ignored. They don't, they don't bother the any. Radar. Yeah, they don't bother any of our livestock. They're not pests of any of our crop plants. You know, they're just, mm-hmm. they're just, they're just there in the environment doing their thing. So nobody really thought to have a close look at them until these researchers uh, started to have a look at them. So they published their findings in the latest edition of the Proceedings of the Royal Society B uh, on the 11th of August. They report they have successfully identified the gene complex responsible for the length and development of their long legs. 
Uh, and also, which is the weird bit, they've been able to alter them. <laughs> so okay. by using a technique known as RNA interference, they were able to alter the development of the legs of several phalangium opilio, which is related to the name of the daddy long leg spider in Australia, that that spider yeah. looks like this species, and they made them shorter. So, so that's they ma- how they knew that the genes were that's coding exactly for right. the length of the leg. They, they, they made a daddy short legs. Oh. Um, so they induced them uh, to also form pedipalps instead of their legs. So they totally changed the form of their legs by interfering with these genes. And in other cases, they got them to develop legs with no joints in them so they couldn't bend their legs. But it was all this one gene complex that they were looking at which was causing all of these changes in the legs. So it was relatively few genes responsible for a large number of, um, you know, macrophysiological um, features of the actual arachnid. So their, their work is ongoing. Um, but their identification and characterization of these genes allows them to better understand the evolutionary development of this species and of the order of these daddy long legs, uh, which, are, as I said, is a huge uh, group of um, arachnids. Um, and this will allow a more complete understanding of the evolutionary relationships between this group of arachnids and the rest of the eight-legged arthropods, uh, and as well as pave the way for understanding similar interactive gene complexes in other animals. So they're hoping to be able to sort of apply this knowledge to looking at gene complexes in other species that control more than one aspect, daddy long legs. But anyone who happens to be overseas and sees a daddy long legs, just don't call it a spider, man. for on another episode of Lost in Science. But before we finish up on this week's episode, this is a timely reminder that from August 14 to August 22, it is, of course, National Science Week, Australia's national celebration of all things science and technology. And if you haven't had a chance to check out what is happening in your local community 
for National Science Week, do yourself a favour and head to scienceweek.net.au. You can find out what is happening close by and also a whole world of activities happening online. It is great. It's probably not the science week we all expected, given how the majority of the country is in lockdown. But even if you are stuck at home, on your own, in a couple, with the family, with your dog or your cat, there are so many ways to get involved in science week. They've got virtual tours, webcasts, talks, do it yourself and do it at home experiments, quizzes, and of course, citizen science something I love and is close to my heart and about as many different types of science as you can imagine space and astronomy sustainability material science health and medical of course very topical energy and climate science and agriculture so there really is something for everyone for science week in fact one event I'm really looking forward to is hearing the story of how a research group Uh, who normally develop solar cells, rose to the COVID challenge and pivoted from solar cell development to developing component parts of COVID-19 tests. It's a national... Lost in Science is recorded on the lands of the Kulin Nation, normally in the studios of 3CR, with the support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you would like to get in touch with us, we would love to hear from you. We love an email. You can find us at lostinsci at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter where we are Lost in Science 1 or on Facebook where we are Lost in Science on 3CR or just tune in wherever you heard us this week. Again, next week when Claire, Chris and Stu get lost in science. Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.